0: Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Keasy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. On this week's show, I'll speak with Mike Kemp. Senior Associate Athletic Director at Omaha, and the school's former hockey head coach. He's also the chair of the NCAA Men's Hockey Committee. We'll discuss the news that Albany's Times Union Center will now host next month's NCAA Hockey Northeast Regional instead of Manchester, New Hampshire. First, we'll talk UAlbany men's basketball. The Great Danes had several starts and stops through this COVID-19 pandemic-riddled season. They are getting ready for the American Conference playoffs this weekend. They are the fifth seed and will take on eighth seed at New Jersey Institute in the first round of the playoffs on Saturday in Harford. I talk with Great Danes head coach Will Brown about the game as well as trying to get through the regular season. Well, Will, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I hope things are well there opening uh It's been a crazy year, hasn't it?
1: It's been interesting uh, for sure. Plenty of challenges, but... You know, really proud of our guys, how they've just uh, charged forward and uh, have tried to embrace every opportunity that's been presented uh, to them. No complaining, uh, you know, just one day at a time. So an interesting season for sure, one like no other, and, you know, hopefully we can uh, finish strong here down the stretch.
0: How frustrating and how challenging has it been with the pauses and, yeah, you know, restart, uh, start, stop, start, stop. And really, you, got, you guys really have not been able to get any traction momentum going.
1: Yeah, you know, that's been uh, the difficult thing. You mentioned. Uh you know, momentum and, you know, I talk about rhythm and flow and, you know, I really like the pieces that we have on our roster. Uh, You know, unfortunately, we were not able to have any summer workouts, any fall workouts, Uh, didn't really start with any consistency until right after Thanksgiving. And when you open your season with two conference games and you're dealing with pauses, interruptions, uh, I thought we started to figure it out. We were playing fairly well after our road trip to New Hampshire, and then the next day uh, we go on pause. And our leading scorer and our best offensive player, uh, C.J. Kelly, and our best low post scorer in Jarvis Doles, you know, those guys ended up being on pause for uh, almost three weeks. Uh, You know, it was good to have them, you know, back, uh, you know, for these last uh, two games. But, you know, just the rhythm, the flow, the lack of consistency, uh, you know, it's been tough uh, from a coaching standpoint, a player standpoint. But I I do think that our our kids are, are appreciative you know, of the opportunity. They love to play the game. And, you know, we have to adapt and adjust. That's what this season's been about. Just finding a way, okay, this is who can play, this is who can't play, adapt, adjust, go out there and try to find a way uh, to win. It's probably been toughest for practice. Uh, You know, I'm a big believer that games are won uh, in practice and just uh, the lack of consistency with, who's practicing, and, uh, you know, that's been tough, but... You know, there's a lot worse things, uh, you know, going on in the world than not being able to play a basketball game or not being able um, to practice. So, I'm very careful nowadays about anything uh, that I complain about. Uh, I'm definitely not going to complain about anything pertaining uh, to basketball. So, you know, I love this game and I'm glad I have the opportunity to coach this group because it's a... a pretty cool group to coach uh really a good group of guys high character guys you know that want to be successful how's that
0: how have you been how, for you how's the adjustment been for you do you have to be more patient with this team yeah. this year because of everything going on
1: yeah patience uh is a great word if uh you know um probably my biggest weakness in life uh is patience, not just as a coach. Uh, You know, I guess I'm patiently impatient, if that makes any sense. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know there's going to be some roadblocks. You know the challenges, and you prepare yourself for those challenges. So I think that's uh, the one thing for me is I've had to be a lot more patient, uh, you know, and I've tried to get better uh, in that area um, because there's so many different obstacles or potential obstacles uh you know this year and so many of them are out of your control and you know every day we talk to our guys about controlling what they can control doing the right thing, especially as it pertains to, you know, health and safety, wearing the mask, washing the hands, social and physical, you know, distancing. And, you know, with that being said, they could be doing everything right, um, but it can be somebody else out there that's not doing it right. I mean, they can go to a local restaurant or to the store, and you just don't know what other people are doing. So, uh, you know, just every day is just, hey... You know, let's be smart. Let's take care of business. You know, let's put ourselves in the best position where you know we can make sure we're helping the community, the university community, and the Albany community stay safe and uh, give ourselves the best chance to test negative. And we're test. We've been testing three days a week uh, since October, I believe. So um, a lot of testing. And those are the those are the tough days this time of year. Every time that we submit. A sample. We usually hear back within 24 hours, so that's a very long 24 hours uh, for a coach, especially when you have the conference tournament. uh, You know, this weekend it begins, and you know we gave our first sample on uh, on Sunday uh, for this week, and you know we got the results back. You know, we get them back on Monday, and it's like, come on, let's just get let's get to that point where we get the results back. Just give me some good news, just tell me everyone's negative, and then we can get to, you know, Tuesday's sample and so on. So, you know, we're just trying to get to Friday so we can get on that bus and head down to Hartford.
0: Well, let's hope uh, as we tape this on Tuesday, everything will be fine going into Saturday here. So I, I don't want to end up having you know, a situation where we're taping and then something happens. So, But the way things are going with I've been taping, I, you know, I talked with the, uh, Katie Rowan Thompson last week, and uh, next thing you know, they're on they could their game against Boston College gets postponed. So I was like, I think I'm a, I'm a jinx at this point. Was when I talked to local coaches about the, this uh, COVID nineteen situation.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I saw this morning on social media one conference had to cancel four games this week, I guess four of uh, the eight teams that were supposed to play uh, had some COVID issues, so uh, again, uh, that's the world we're living in right now, and uh, when you get this close to a conference tournament, I think every league in the country is getting close to their conference tournament. And, you know, one potential positive within a tier one, you know, can knock a team out of uh, a conference tournament uh, scenario and a potential opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. Because when you're in a one bid league, you know, the only way you're getting to the NCAA tournament is to win your conference tournament. We don't have The luxury of that the Power Five schools have. Uh, And some of these leagues are so good now at that level that, you know, the Big Ten, you know, if you come in ninth place in the Big Ten this year, you're going to get in that large bid. So uh, you're just worrying about what seed, you know, whereas in the America East, uh, you've got to find a way to, you know, survive and advance and, uh, You know, try to make a run at this thing because it's the only way you're going to get to the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the uh, American East tournament, obviously starting uh, earlier than normal because the regular season was cut short because of the COVID. Uh, Would you have wished uh, to have another week to prepare for this?
1: You know, I I think just because of... uh you know, that pause that we were on after UNH and then having two of my best players uh, shut down for such a long time, Uh, you know, of course I would have liked, uh, you know, that final weekend to be uh, two regular season games. But completely understand uh, why the league's doing it, Uh, you know, we want to make sure that we have an American East Conference tournament uh, that we can get through it, uh, that we also have some time built in if there are potentially any issues. So, uh, you know, I get it. Um, But, again, this goes back to, you know, adapting and adjusting. And, you know, I think if you have a team where maybe you're not at full strength or you're not as healthy as you like, you know, this is where that next man up mentality, uh, you know, I think if you have 13 scholarship players, which is, you know, the NCAA Division One max, you know, and you're say you play eight guys, you have five other guys that want to play that think they can help you win, and you know, this is where they potentially get an opportunity to go out there and compete and be productive and, and hopefully help the team win. So, you know, again, adapt, adjust, and uh, charge forward. Yeah.
0: You take on a, a New Jersey Institute of Technology team. You uh, swept the season series from Back in January, what is it going to take to uh, make it uh, three straight against NJIT?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, up until uh, this past weekend, we were the only team in the league that swept NJIT. They had split with everyone, and then they actually lost their final two games uh, You know, to Binghamton. They lost at home to Binghamton. Now, Binghamton plays... Differently than any other team in our league, they play zone for for 40 minutes, and uh, they play th- two different types of zone defenses. And uh, you know they don't allow you to get in a rhythm. So prior to uh, the Binghamton series, like I said, we were the only team that had had swept them. They have a dynamic offensive guard. Uh, the kid Cooks is really really good. Uh, and when you get into a conference tournament scenario, he's a kid that's good enough to dominate a game. Uh, not only is he really good off the dribble uh, at creating shots for himself, he's dynamic in transition and he leads our league in steals. Uh, so he's a guy that picks the ball from you and goes coast to coast. So, um, he scores it. Uh, for us, the key is going to be, can we slow him down? Can we make him a volume scorer and not an efficient scorer? If he's an efficient scorer against us, that probably means that uh, we're not giving enough resistance defensively. He's getting too many clean looks. You know, We need to make him see a crowd. We need to make him pass the basketball. Uh, like I said, uh, he's a really, really good offensive player. So it starts... Uh, Uh, starts with him, and then I think uh, for us offensively, we need to continue to just really be aggressive and attack and share the ball, something that we did well both times we played them earlier in the year. Um, But again, we have a lot of guys in uniform. Uh, Four of our five starters, it's going to be their first time playing in a conference tournament scenario in the america east so you know hopefully we're relaxed and loose and uh and ready to play
0: yeah those two two games against njit you had your highest offensive output in both games 83 points uh two to three games this year you had 83 points uh is it gonna is it gonna take another 83 point effort to uh beat njit
1: well, you know, I think for us, uh, we want to push tempo and try to get some easy opportunities and transition. I think that's something we did well uh, when we played them again earlier in the year. Uh, you know, I, re- I remember that game, uh, both games, you know, telling our guys that, hey, we don't want to exchange baskets with these guys that's how they want to play and you know we, we don't want it to be an 83-81 game obviously I'm fine if we can put 83 on the board uh, that's a that's a really good number um, you know my thing is uh, I think the good thing is I think our defense can be better than it was against them uh, the first two times that we played them, and I expect it to be better. Um, I think we gave up too many easy baskets, and we got into that, okay, uh, we just scored one, you score one, we'll score one, uh, and you can't play like that in the conference tournament. So uh, usually they become half-court games. And, you know, who's going to defend and rebound, who's going to get more stops. So I want us to have uh, a stronger defensive mentality, but I want us to have a similar offensive mentality.
0: Cam Healy's had a, I guess, you consider a frustrating year. I mean, how frustrated and how bad do you feel for him?
1: Yeah, you know, Cameron's a great kid, loves the game, uh, can really, really shoot the basketball. He, he puts a lot of work in. Um, you know, his first two years with us, uh, he was really good. Uh, last year, a sophomore year, you know, we were 6-3 or 7-3 and three in the league and in second place when he got hurt. And I think we went 0-6 without him really or basically uh, him being limited, you know, down the stretch uh, in the regular season, which was, which was tough. And, you know, he's, he's been battling that injury, but I think the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, he's been feeling really good, not moving as well as he's accustomed uh, to moving. And I think that hurts him a little bit defensively, hurts him coming off screens, but Um, You know, he's a guy that it would not surprise me, you know, if uh, at some point this weekend, and hopefully it's against NJIT, where, you know, he comes in the game and and makes some shots and puts some pressure, you know, on the defense. Uh, I think he's just trying to find a rhythm, trying to get comfortable. And, you know, the best way for that to happen is, you know, to have some consistency you know with minutes so there, there there's there, you got I got to find a happy medium because right now you know it's it's win or go home and so um you know he's got to go out there and embrace the minutes that he gets and try his best to be productive every time he shoots the ball I think it's going in um and you know that's where we're at right now we have you know he's had to do a lot for us his first two years you know this year um we have some guys on the perimeter with the way Antonio Rizzuto has been playing and CJ Kelly's our most dynamic offensive player and Jamel Horton's been really good at the point guard spot you know we we don't need Cameron to do too much Uh, and so I think he's putting a little bit of pressure on himself and I'm trying to alleviate that pressure for him but you know like I said uh, I think he's going to make some big shots in the conference tournament and uh, help us win some games hopefully.
0: Final question for you Will. Uh, In uh, Tuesday's Daily Gazette um, sports editor Mike Kelly wrote a story about uh, that your contract is expiring at the end of the season and that will uh, so be a topic of discussion with you and uh, Athletic Director Mark Benson uh, once the season's over. Can you have any comment about that?
1: Uh, all, all I can tell you, Mike, is I'm consumed with my team right now and the conference tournament. And uh, no comments, uh, you know, on that, uh, you know, at all. Uh, just looking forward to the conference tournament this weekend.
0: Well, well, appreciate a few minutes. Good luck this weekend, and uh, hopefully uh, things will uh, work out, and uh, you'll advance in the American East
1: tournament. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
0: Up next, I'll talk to NCAA men's hockey chair Mike Kemp about the Northeast Regional being moved from Manchester, New Hampshire, to Albany. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast.
2: Hi, this is Miles Reed, editor of the Daily Gazette. These are difficult times. For most of us, the coronavirus crisis has been a time of unprecedented upheaval, uncertainty, and fear. What does it all mean for our health, our families, our jobs, and our futures? At the Daily Gazette, our journalists have been working tirelessly to answer these questions and many more that have come up during this whole pandemic. How many people have tested positive locally? How many have died? Has anyone died in the local nursing homes? Now, in these difficult times, we're turning to you to support our work by purchasing a subscription or making a donation to help fund our daily efforts. With your support, these are the questions we're continuing to report on. Every day, our reporters and photographers have been working the streets and the phones to answer these critical questions, and every day, They answer the bell with their timely and well-documented reports from the front lines in the region. Behind the scenes, the rest of our editorial team, including our sports writers, copy editors, and digital producers, have been wholly focused on covering the COVID-19 story. During this critical time, everyone here at the paper is working to provide important news and information to keep the community safe and connected. But our ability to serve our community is being threatened by some economic challenges posed by the pandemic. We have stay-at-home orders, business closures, and school shutdowns, and they're contributing to the massive instability in the local business landscape. Despite all of these changes, the Gazette will remain committed to serving the community for many years to come, just as we've been doing unfailingly for the past 125 years. So please go to thedailygazette.com and donate or purchase a subscription to the Daily Gazette. Thank you, be well, and please keep reading. Sign up for the weekly Daily Gazette sports newsletter. The newsletter features updates on the local sports scene from our staff writers, debate on topics local and national, and reveals the latest guests for the Parting Shots podcast. The newsletter is free. To sign up, head to dailygazette.com.
1: Hi, I'm CNN Men's Cross Coach, William Gleason, and you're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with D.A. Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the
0: podcast. Capital Region College hockey fans received a pleasant surprise Monday night when NCAA Men's Hockey Tournament Chair Mike Kemp announced on the Rink Live show that Albany will replace Manchester, New Hampshire, as the site of the Northeast Regional on March 27th, 28th at Times Union Center. To talk about that is the former head hockey coach at Omaha, where he is now senior associate athletic director for facilities and events. Uh, Mike Kemp, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Uh, how are things going there in Omaha? And I hope you're staying safe.
3: Oh, things are doing great here. We, uh, you know, we're having a great year, and uh, weather's good. You know, it's pleasant. Snow is melting, and we're uh, on the verge of opening a brand-new baseball softball complex. I can look out my window here at the arena and look across and see the brand-new baseball softball complex. We open that up next week,
0: so things are good here at UNO. That's great to hear. We still have some snow uh, around right here in the uh, Capital Region. Uh, I think the temperature today, as we talk on Wednesday, is supposed to actually get in the 40s. so it would be kind of nice to melt some of the snow and start thinking of some spring sports. <laughs>
3: Yeah, everyone loves those breaker days when you get like, a little bit of nice weather.
0: Yeah, so let's get, get to it. Uh, let's talk about uh, the announcement. Uh, you know, Albany was supposed to be host the East Regional last year, but because of the pandemic, it was the tournament uh, ended up being canceled. And there's still, obviously, concerns with the COVID-19 uh, situation. So was this the main reason the move was made from Manchester to Albany? Uh, well, you know, the first, the first and
3: foremost, obviously, Manchester was not available. And... Um, You know, our committee was not really involved in the decision of the regional site. Uh, That was really uh, undertaken by the uh, uh, home office of the NCAA, Kristen Fossbender, who is our our, our director of championships for hockey. She was out there and and did some research and talked to several different facilities uh, in the east, uh, wanting to keep uh, the regional out in that area of the country because of... Kind of the interest of the NCA this year in having people travel by um, by land rather than by air in most cases. So um, you know, when it when it, when the opportunity came to put it in Albany, she informed me that uh, she thought that was the best site uh, at this point in time. And uh, you know, the fact that Albany was not able to have the regional a year ago when they were scheduled to have it, she thought that was a really uh, a, a good. Uh, has created a good opportunity for us to put it
0: there. That's good. This should be the first time the Albany uh, and the Times Union Center has hosted a Northeast regional. We've had East regionals for, it seems like, forever, and, of course, a couple of Frozen Fours. But uh, what is it about Albany and Times Union Center that the NCAA likes?
3: Well, again, yeah, they've proven. They're, they're a proven facility. Uh, you know, In the past, of course, having hosted regionals and, um, and uh, Frozen Fours, uh, the experience that they've had in the facility to put on an event like this uh, and to, and the community with the support that it, it provides this kind of an event. Facilities are close by, hotels, etc. cetera. Uh, those are all. Factors that enter into uh, determining uh, what is a good site for a regional or for a frozen four. And uh, I think, you know, the fact that they're a proven commodity and uh, at this late date, uh, this uh, gives us some reason for comfort that we're going to go into something that, you know, into a building that's going to be able to execute the event without, uh, without delay and without problem.
0: As far as the overall tournament is concerned, was there any thought given to playing all the games at one site in a bubble? Yeah, sort of like what they're going to do at the basketball tournament, the men being all in, in uh, Indianapolis and the women in San Antonio.
3: You know, originally, you know, we, we as a committee, it's you know, it's been an unusual year for us, you know, in, in the past when we were preparing for a Frozen Four or for a regional over the years, um, you know, you'd meet maybe a couple times in January, a couple times in February, maybe more often in March, and then you're having the tournament. Well, we've actually been having discussions almost on a weekly basis since June to kind of try to navigate the pandemic and, you know, try to figure out how we can do this uh, safely. And I would be remiss if I didn't say we certainly looked and discussed a single site for this event. Um, and, And as a result of that, you know, we did talk to Pittsburgh. Uh, but unfortunately, Pittsburgh had NHL comp, you know schedule uh, schedule games uh, in their facility uh, the, during the time leading up to the Frozen Four, so it really wasn't a an opportunity for us to move to Pittsburgh, and we were really wanting to honor. Um, Pittsburgh's uh, commitment to us for the Frozen Four and so, you know, as it came down and as we watched how things transpired nationally and, and you know, the fact that um, while, while the pandemic is not over but it is trending in the right direction, we felt that um, having seen what college hockey has been able to do, operating safely throughout the year uh, with a minimum of interruptions, we felt that um, this would be uh, an opportunity for us then to continue uh, conducting the tournament uh, in the way it's been conducted in the past.
1: Yeah.
0: Now the selection process this year, Mike, uh, obviously it's been a strange year. Uh, eight of the 12 ECAC teams opted out before the start of the season. We've seen some teams go in the pause situations what is the process going to be like I mean are the pairwise thrown out the window at this point I mean, how are you going to judge uh, a 16 team field
3: the traditional pairwise yes has to be thrown out because the pairwise depends on comparing conference to conference and non-conference games are what really make up uh, the mathematical equation that is the pairwise Um, So while the pairwise will not be utilized on a national basis from conference to conference this year, the elements that make up the pairwise, head-to-head competition, strength of schedule, um, uh, home versus away. Uh, those types of things will be taken in individual segments and examined per team to help us decipher who those best 16 teams are. You know, you're going to start with your first You're going to be your automatic qualifiers, the winners of each conference, championship, or regular season. That You know, those are designated by the conferences, which who they want to have. For represent their league for their um, automatic qualifier. And then the remaining 10 at-large bursts will be done uh, in a combination of examining uh, the factors that go into the pairwise. And then I would be less than transparent if I didn't say there was a bit of an eye test that's going to happen in that discussion as well as we kind of figure out... Who are going to be those ten teams that advance to the final
0: sixteen? Is it sort of like a, the old way of doing it? You're sort of, you mentioned the eye test. I mean, sometimes you know, in the past, maybe the eye test was a factor in getting some of these teams into the tournament. When it was back when the twelve team tournament and the pairwise wasn't much of a factor. Now it seems like we're going old school again.
3: Uh, I'd be. You know, I, I think that to some extent there will be a little bit of that involved. You know, we we one of the best things we've done is we've. To help our committee, we have uh, created a regional advisory committee, which is go- is re- is a representative from each of the conferences uh, from the coaching body. So, for example, um, in the West here. Uh, uh, while Bob Daniels is the WCHA representative to our committee, and he's the committee member from the WCHA, Damon Witten, head coach of Lake Superior State, is the uh, advisory committee representative. Uh, we have the same from the Big Ten. Jeff Jackson at Notre Dame is the coaching advisory committee member. Uh, and then in our league, uh, Brett Larson, the head coach at St. Cloud State, is uh, the NCHC uh, representative. And in the East, we have the same situation. So those advisory committees are going to give us the coaches' perspective of where the strengths are in their conference and who they've seen within their conference that will be um, – uh, that they feel are going to be uh, the teams that are uh, best uh, likely to be up for consideration. So we're going to be relying on some of our own devices. We're going to be relying on the uh, on the uh, advisory committees. And then we're going to be, uh, as I said, we're going to have to have, there's going to be a little bit of an eye test there as well.
0: Now you mentioned earlier about travel and, you know, will the, will the committee try to keep, Teams in the regions. Let's, let's say, for example, the uh, four teams that will be in the Northeast region will just be comprised of Hockey East and ECAC schools.
3: Well, I think that you're going to be in a situation where uh, the NCA has asked and has asked the committee uh, to continue to try to place teams where they are geographically capable of um, driving. Uh, with that being said, we're going to try to have a balance and equity. Uh, of competition so the best four teams get to the frozen four Um, in the west here we have certainly have Fargo which is going to be a drivable um, site for uh, many of the teams that out here that might qualify for uh, for the tournament but uh, Loveland Colorado uh, really is only drivable by the three Colorado schools at this point in time. Um, none of them are necessarily in a position to be considered for an at-large. So if they don't win um, an um, uh, AQ, uh, they're go- we're going to be having four teams that are going to have to fly into uh, Denver to go to Loveland for the-, for the regional there. So if that's the case, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be flying teams. So... It- whether it's an eastern team or a midwestern team uh, that flies to um, Loveland, I, I don't really see there's much difference there.
0: Yeah. What, what about attendance? Obviously you're not going to be able to have full buildings in uh, a lot of these uh, venues, but it's uh, a 25% capacity for NCAA, but do you have to follow the state uh, guidelines uh, for this? Yes.
3: State guidelines, uh, county guidelines will dictate uh, what uh, the capabilities of having fans in the building um, are. So, for example, uh, Fargo in North Dakota, they have very few restrictions on fans, um, uh, and so um, they're going to be in a situation where they'll definitely fall under the NCAA directive, which is no more than 25 percent capacity in the bu- in any building for a championship event in any sport. Uh, this winter or spring. So based on that, they'll be able to go to 25% where normally they would be completely sold out. Um, Loveland at this point in time is only a family and friends event because um, their state and county uh, do not allow any attendance. The same would be said for Bridgeport at this point in time, but we're hopeful and optimistic that the Rules and laws that have been kind of lightened up a little bit in New York will be translated to Connecticut between now and uh, the frozen or the regionals, so that we'll be able to uh, maybe increase the attendance there a little bit from family and friends to whatever the state and local uh, directives are. And we know like in Albany, uh, with state, uh, it appears that it would, that would be probably, uh, uh, from what I understand of the directive, possibly ten percent.
0: Yeah, that's uh, uh, Tuesday night. The the Knicks and the uh, Nets uh, down in New York City and Brooklyn, respectively, uh, had some fans for the first time. So uh, it's ten percent right now, and hopefully, you know, maybe it goes up before the uh, tournament arrives here in March. But uh, it's, it would be good to see some fans in the seats.
3: Oh, we would love that because, you know, you're in a situation where just, the tradition and history of college hockey and the fans who are so loyal who go to every regional, go to the Frozen Four every year, whether their team is there or not, you know, that, that's the kind of people we want to make sure we're able to take care of. And if we can enhance the facility and, and, and enhance the opportunity for attendance, that would be just, I think, really special.
0: Well, speaking of Albany, Mike, you've had some memorable moments here in the Capital Region. Uh, In 2001, one of your players uh, that you coached at Omaha, Jason Cup, won the Hockey Humanitarian Award. You were here twice as an assistant coach uh, with Wisconsin. Uh, In 1994, the Badgers reached the second round uh, of the East Regional. But uh, the Badgers are most remembered here for what happened in the 1992 Frozen Four title game against Lake Superior State when uh, referee Tim McConaughey uh, gave the Lakers 11 power plays in that game. Uh, Lake Superior won the game 5-3, and I know the Badgers were upset about what transpired. It led to some penalties from the NCAA, and the Badgers had to vac- uh, vacate the second-place finish. Yeah, next year will mark 30 years since that game. What do you remember about that night and how just nuts it was? Oh, that's
3: you. You really summed it up very well. <laughs> and I got I, I'm going to tell you an interesting side like okay. Jeff Sauer and myself. Jeff Sauer. Uh, Wonderful man. I worked for him for 13 years. Wonderful He's my man. closest, my closest friend. Our families were extremely close and still are to this day, even after his passing. But um, we neither one of us watched that game since that time. Uh, Would never could put put the tape into the the. Uh, VCR to watch it again, uh, just because of the kind of emotion that was involved in that game. Yeah, I, I ran the penalty kill, and uh, they had three five-on-three goals, and um, it was one of those where uh, you know it was a very very frustrating night, um, and one of those that uh, you know lives in infamy. An irony of that is that the next I got it, the next Halloween after that Frozen Four, a knock on the door. And, um, and Jeff Sauer's daughter, Beth, at that time, was like a middle schooler. No, no, she was elementary school, mm-hmm. late elementary school. She's at our door with her Halloween costume, and she has got, uh, a, 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 she's a blind referee, and she turns <laughs> around in the back, when she walks away, we would give her candy. It's McGonaughey on the back of her shirt. I like it. And so that was one of those that, you know, it still, it stings, but it's there's, there's some side, you know, you look at it over the years and it is one of those opportunities that you, you think about periodically and um, you realize that that's how the game goes.
0: Yeah, I think it led to the NCAA experimenting with the 2 referee one Limeson system right after that.
3: Y- yes, it did. And now I will
0: tell you, it, al- it also made
3: me a, 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 a trivia question for a long period of time. Because as a result of that game, the sanctions that the NCAA slapped down on us, Jeff Sauer was not allowed to coach the next NCAA tournament game that we qualified for. So the following year, we were sent to the uh, to a regional at um, in Detroit at Joe Louis Arena. Again, we played the first game against Miami of Ohio. So I became the trivia question: who is the head? Who is a who is a coach? who has won an NCAA tournament game, but had never had a win in college hockey as a head coach prior to that time. (laughs) (laughs) Because we ended up beating Miami that night, and Jeff Sauer was uh, back at the hotel because he couldn't come into the building once the game started, and I was behind
0: the bench. Wow. That's a good trivia question. We have to use that on someone one of these days. At the end, of, maybe, maybe March if I get to see six of people here. At the times Union show, that's, that's a great story, Mike. Especially with the, the, the Halloween. That's uh, be, that was a lot of fun. Hey, listen. I uh, appreciate you coming on for a few minutes to talk about the NCAA side. We're excited. Uh, you know, we were looking forward to covering it last year and obviously everything uh, you know fell apart with the pandemic. So it'll be nice to uh, see some hockey uh, back at the Times Union Center uh, in next March, uh, uh, next month. Yeah, it's
3: going to be great. We're excited to have it
0: there and looking forward to seeing it. All right. Appreciate you coming on, Mike. Well, thanks, Ken. All right. That's Mike Keft, uh, NCAA, NCAA hockey chair. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and announce the Week 2 winner in the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. The NASCAR season is here and it's time to play the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Go to dailygazette.com to sign up and play. Predict the order of or finish of each race via your auto racing account. The fan with the most correct points for the race will win a $50 grocery card and have their name mentioned on the Party Shots podcast and printed in Friday's Daily Gazette. The fan with the most overall points at the end of the season win the $250 grocery card. You can also win a $75 Visa gift card provided by 2nd Street if you're the weekly national winner. If you are the overall national winner, you will win a trip for two to the 2022 Daytona 500. So go to dailygazette.com, sign up, and play today. The Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is run by the Daily
2: Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Daily Gazette Sports writer Mike McAdam. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast.
0: The second week of the NASCAR season is in the books, and we had a big winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Terry Van Valkenburg of Schenectady not only won a $50 grocery card, he was also the national winner, earning a $75 Visa gift card from 2nd Street. Congratulations, Terry. Once again, I had the most VIP points. Scott Lucier of Capital and GMC was the winning VIP advertiser. I don't know. I'm just becoming a NASCAR inficionado. (laughs) I don't know. It's amazing. Anyway, I'll be announcing the weekly winner of the contest, and that winner's name will also appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. The second wave of the coronavirus is hitting us, so please be vigilant. Even though the vaccine for the coronavirus is coming out, keep wearing the face mask while you're out. Be positive. Stay negative. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Will Brown and Mike Kemp for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Shot. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports, be smart, stay safe, wear the face mask.